Well, hello. Today is January 18th, 2022. This is Pastor Doug Dunbar at Gospel Chapel. And today we're going to start Gospel Reflections, a time where uh, I read a bit of scripture and enter into conversation with an author. Uh, One of the things I get to do is I get to talk to a lot of uh, people. And uh, one of the uh, shows that we have on our podcast is Gospel Conversations, where I talk with our missionaries or people in ministry here and just get to know them and get to know their heart for God. But the other conversations I get to have uh, aren't uh, verbal in-person conversations, but conversations with authors uh, and books I read and uh, as I study the scripture, um, uh, put in conversation my own thinking, the word of God, and authors, uh, commentators, pastors uh, from all over the world and throughout the centuries. And it's a great thing uh, to be able to be in a community uh, with, uh, with all these authors from, from all sorts of places and all sorts of different ways they view the world and, uh, and understand the Word of God. And so today, I'm going to be going into Isaiah chapter 40. This is something that our staff has been doing since the start of 2022. We've been doing a a slow study through Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, But I'm going to bring into the conversation today John Oswald uh, and his commentary, the NIV application commentary, which was released in 2003 uh, for some application thoughts on this. So let's get into this. I'm going to read uh, Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 to 11, and then we'll hear from John Oswald. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will guide the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Well, Isaiah chapter 40 starts out really the second section of Isaiah's prophecy. In the first section, he's talking a lot about the coming judgment that God is going to uh, enact against Jerusalem and and against uh, Judea and Israel because of their sin and their idolatry. 
But now the now the page turns. Now now a corner is being turned in Isaiah 40 where where Isaiah is being told to comfort the people of God who are about to experience or who are experiencing exile. They've experienced the loss of country. They've experienced the loss of their sanctuary. Uh, they've experienced the loss of the presence of God. Their, their whole way of life has been upended, and they need comfort. They need to know that God is going to come back. That God hasn't left them. He has not forsaken them. And and this is what the whole chapter is about. In fact, the the rest of the book is about God coming back to redeem, restore, and rescue his people. And in the New Testament, all four Gospels agree on this. The voice crying out in the wilderness. Or uh, this is how the the New Testament uh, puts the quotation marks. The voice is crying out in the wilderness. Quote, prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, In Isaiah, it's a voice crying, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. In the desert, make make the path straight. But the key thing here is that God is coming back to his people, that exile is ending, that freedom, that restoration are on the way. Well, John Oswald in his commentary has some great thoughts that are so applicable to where we are at today. Even though this is written in 2003, uh, 14, no, more, almost 20 years ago now, uh, 19 years ago, uh, he wrote this. And, and I think these reflections are great. So w- without any further comment, here, here is John Oswald. He has two, um, two sections here, contradictions in the Western world and then hope. So here's the first section. We live today in a self-contradictory world. It is a world that has resulted from taking some of the premises of the Bible while rejecting others. We passionately believe, for example, in the worth of the individual and are willing to fight to the death for the absolute right of human choice. Where has that idea come from? It comes straight out of the Bible, where humans are called to voluntarily enter into a relationship with the eternal God, one who knows them by name. The Bible is not about a people movement or a national development. It is about real distinct individuals from Adam to the Apostle Paul. To be sure, they were part of a people and a nation. But the story is not first about the nation. It is about people in the nation. The greatest story in the ancient Near Eastern world was the Gilgamesh epic. It is found everywhere in one form or another. In in it, Gilgamesh seeks the meaning of life and the story is engaging, but Gilgamesh is not a historical individual. He represents all of humanity. That was not the case in the Bible. It records the acts of real people. Where the Bible has not penetrated, individual human worth does not exist. We also believe in progress. We believe that we are not locked in and that we can go someplace else or do something else in words that now sound a little quaint. We can better ourselves. Where did that notion come from? It comes from the Bible. God had a plan for an Abraham, a Moses, a David, and we can trace how that plan unfolds not only in progress, but sometimes in regress. God had a plan for a people in bondage to the greatest powers of their day. We see those plans unfolding as people leave the husks of the past behind them and are transformed. Where has the idea of progress existed in this world? Wherever the Bible has gone. 
But now the Bible is increasingly lost in Western society, and with it, we have lost its central idea, the idea of transformation. So we fight for individual rights, and yet we increasingly deny the responsibility for our choices, arguing that we really do not have any choices since we are conditioned by society, our family, some tragedy, or even our genes. What has happened? We've kept the Bible's conclusion, but denied its premises. We have accepted human worth while buying into deterministic evolution, but it doesn't work that way. If we are simply the end product of mindless forces without real choices of our own, then we have no freedom and no worth. On the one hand, if we really believe that a killer has no choice but to do what he does, then we should let him go, for it is unjust to punish him for what he cannot help doing. And there are no corrective influences on earth that are going to change a lifetime of genetic social conditioning. On the other hand, if in society's collective wisdom his behavior is not conducive to the progress of evolution, then we simply ought to rub him out on the spot without a lot of moralizing about justice or right and wrong. Those principles do not exist in a world without creation. The same thing has happened to our view of progress. The biblical view is profoundly linear. Believers are not trying to get back to the place they started. Once Eden was lost, there is no recovering it. But it is possible to have something even better. The new heavens and the new earth are better than Eden, and the blessings of the redeemed as described in the eschatological parts of the Bible are something better than the blessings of Eden. That is the kind of God we serve. But without a creator able to do new things, there may be change, but there is no progress. That is what is happening to us. We no longer really believe we can transcend our past. We no longer believe that we can escape its dead hand on us. In a frenzy of activity, we keep changing, but always with the sick knowledge that we are simply doomed to do it all over again in a different way. So we cry for progress, having thrown away the only basis on which real progress can rest, namely the possibility that the transcendent God can break in from outside and change us. But what about the world where creation does exist? What about a world where humans have been created in the image of God? What about a world that originally conformed to a master plan and though terribly marred, still has its outlines? What about a world whose omnipotent maker is determined to give abundant life to every person who will let him? The Judeans in captivity were much like us. They did not believe there was any way God could transform them or their circumstances. They insisted on their freedom to personally do as they wished, while all the time believing their situation could never really be changed. But in this, Isaiah brings us hope. It is into a setting just like ours that Isaiah speaks by inspiration. He speaks to people who have lost hope. The impossible has happened. They were sure their nation could not fail, that their temple could not be destroyed, that their God would not let them down, yet all that happened. Whatever the future might hold, it would always be one of regret. Yes, God may have acted in the past for other people, but this situation is beyond him. It's beyond his compassion. It's beyond his power. And Isaiah says to us, as he says to them, no, there is nothing beyond his compassion and his power. Have you not known? Have you not heard? There is nothing that a caring creator cannot change. 
We are persons of worth to him, and that means that we really can choose to be and act differently than we have. Are there chains of conditioning on us that that are as real as any captivity the Judeans endured? Of course there are. But the Creator can break those chains. To be sure, the way He chooses to do that is His business. One of the recurring themes in the following chapters of Isaiah is the discomfort the people have with the ways God chooses to act on their behalf. We cannot dictate the terms or the means, but we can hold on to him with confident hope. In the same way, we believe that God can change our circumstances. There can be real change for the better. That is, there can be if we believe in a God who is both outside of and inside of history, precisely because process theology is wrong and God is not a historical process. He can intervene in that process and change it. But so much depends on our faith. I am not talking here about getting some idea and then doing a mental number on ourselves until we really believe it's going to happen. I am talking about a life of faith in God, a life where we truly release ourselves into his hands without reservation, a life where we are constantly giving ourselves and our concerns into the caring creator's hands. This is clearly what the Judeans were going to have difficulty doing in the crisis of the exile, and Isaiah knew it. In a real sense, the problem he addresses in his own day and the problem he addresses in that future day are the same. In his own day, people did not think that they could trust God to deliver them from the nations, so they trusted other nations instead. In the exilic age, the people did not believe, do not believe that God could deliver them either, and that's why cry, shout, and speak are so prominent. These people needed to hear the word of God in ways that changed how they thought. And that is what we need too. We need lives of faith that are shaped by the word of God, its view of reality, and the principles that emerge from it. If I cannot believe God and hope in him, in the, in the sense of surrendering my life to him in a kind of life that I know pleases him, then his power cannot transform me. But if I will actively believe his word, there really are no limits to what he can do for me, for my family, or for my society. Just those last two sentences again. If I cannot believe God and hope in him, in the sense of surrendering my life to him, in a kind of life that I know pleases him, then his power cannot transform me. But if I will actively believe his word, there really are no limits to what he can do for me, for my family, and for my society. Great words from John Oswald, who is the uh, professor of Old Testament at Wesley Biblical Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, author of uh, numerous articles and several books, including a two-volume two commentary on the book of Isaiah and, uh, and a series called Called to Be Holy, a Biblical Perspective. So the word of Isaiah, words of hope, words of comfort, words that the Lord is coming to redeem his people. In the Gospels, we hear this word spoken again by John the Baptist, that he came to prepare the way for the Lord. And the Lord came, Jesus Christ. 
who said, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for my sheep. If you're doubting God's comfort, God's ability to act, and that maybe you've lost hope that anything can change, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Because this is what Isaiah called us to do, to look to God, to, to, to look to the way that he is coming to save his people. Lord, I pray that as we um, are experiencing times of upheaval and times of challenge and change, Lord, that we would come back to the center that you have created us for your purposes and for your pleasure, for your glory. Lord, help us to surrender our lives to you because you have created us and you know best. Open our eyes to see the amazing love that you have for us, even in a world that seems to have gone just absolutely crazy. Help us to surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.